Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2017. This is Alan talking about Steps 8 and 9. Good morning, folks. My name's Alan. I'm alcoholic. Glad to be here. Um, I'm a bit nervous. I haven't uh, shared an AA meeting for quite a while. Um, but, and I was thinking um, maybe I should decline the opportunity when it was presented to me because I haven't shared for a while. And then I, and then I thought, well, um, it's interesting because really all I've got to share with you is my experience. Um, and one of the reasons I haven't shared for a while is I found myself in a place where I was coming along to AA meetings <coughs> excuse me, and lecturing people. Um, and um, I don't know if that was much use to you because when I reflected on that, I, th- I thought that um, I don't listen to anything that anybody else tells me, so why would anyone listen to anything that I tell them? Um, and and what, I've, what, I've, um, what I've done covered, the only thing I've... I've well, the first thing I'd share with you is that what, what I got when I came here was a, among other things, was a, a, the ability to reflect. Um, I, until I got here, I never had that. And, um, and, and when I was reflecting on what happens at AA meetings, it occurred to me that... that um, we're not very good at being told things, but we're pretty good at being shown. And, um, and, and when I get up here and, and, and talk honestly, and um, I, t- I tell you something, it, um, if it resonates with your story, then it affects you in the heart, not in the head. And that, that somehow or other we take that away and it gets at us like an earworm, you know. And that's been, that's been my experience. And that's what happened when I first came here. When I first came here, I mean, talk about um, what happened, what it was like. Uh, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. When I when I came here, I mean, I think the other thing I'd like to say, reflect on, is this: you hear a lot of talk around AA um, in certain places about this concept of untreated alcoholism, but there's something much worse than untreated alcoholism, in my experience, and that's undiagnosed alcoholism. And that's what I had when I came here. I um, I I was um, I thought I was a good bloke, just out of luck. And, the, and the, the, the tables were about to turn and everything would be okay. And what I was doing was drinking myself to death, basically. Um, and I didn't know... I thought I was doing that because of all the things that had happened to me and I just couldn't get the ducks to line up right. And when I got the ducks to line up right, I wouldn't have to drink like that. And, and whenever I wasn't drinking, what I was doing was I was sitting in a pit of morose self-pity trying to work out, why has this happened to me? Why are they doing this to me? Why doesn't it work out for me when it works out for them? Why is it when I do this? And basically what I had was a complete and utter lack of power. I couldn't see why I was here and I couldn't see any way out of it and any plan I had came to naught because I couldn't follow through on it. And I just couldn't see clearly. And when I got here, um, I was prepared to, to, for the first time ever, to consider the idea that maybe, maybe alcohol was making my problems worse. Maybe alcohol was, 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 might even be the cause of my problems. And, um, and, and I, I got one of those earworms when somebody said one night that what I had was an allergy and that, the, and that every time I drank I couldn't stop. And, and you know, I set off a compulsion. And, um, and that kept me coming back. And that when I first came back, like, I didn't have a plan. You know, I didn't have a plan. I just came along and I just listened. And I listened to people who'd been doing this for a while. But what, I, what got me was their stories because the, I related to a lot of the way, not necessarily the way that they drank, but certainly the way that they thought. And, um, and, and I could see that they were laughing and they were, they were free of that. And that idea intrigued me. 
So I, um, I went the first three or four months. What happened to me was that I just went to a meeting, went to work, went to a meeting, went to work, went to a meeting, went to work, and something kind of happened. You know, it wasn't, it was, um, I was just going a lot better. Um, basically on just that simple idea that I couldn't drink in safety. Um, because that was a complete revelation to me. I could never see that, you know. I always thought it was other things. And then I started to get interested in how the hell did they get free of this? And, you know, how did they, what, what did they do? And, um, and, of course, they pointed to the stuff on the wall. And, um, and I looked at that and thought, well, you know, I don't know, but it looks like bullshit to me, but I don't know. But, but, but the point was, the interesting bit was the I don't know. Because until then I knew everything. And if you put a drink into me, not only did I know everything, I became an encyclopedia. You know? <laughs> um, and so, and so it, look, one thing led to another. I ended up in this, in this um, monastery and, um, because I wasn't going to share any of my stuff with anyone in AA. Right? Um, so I ended up in this monastery and I sat down with it. I, wrote, I did the columns exactly as they suggested, as best I could from the book. And what I discovered was that, was that um, I had lived in this world of, of complete delusion where, I was, where I'd been governed by all these things that had happened to me. And, um, and I saw that it just wasn't true. Basically, I'd been running around in, in a complete ball of fear and, um, and I'd acted out of this fear and done all these things that, um, that basically um, had, had caused me failure. Um, and had you know cut off my relations with everyone from my family to everyone I'd worked with to any friends I'd had and everything else, um, and and I you know I, I, by this the end of my drinking I was completely drinking on my own. Anyway, so um, having seen this, having seen what what had happened, um, I I had to go. I wasn't like it wasn't like I wanted to go. I had to go and clean up this mess, and so. I just did the ones I could, you know, I did it, I still wasn't going to share this stuff with anybody else, um, but I just worked through the big ones that I could, and when I got stuck, I asked for help, and, and that went okay, you know, that went okay, that was, uh, I progressively got, got freer, I did what I could at the time, I did what I could see, I didn't try and, you know, I didn't try, it wasn't until later I got involved in the AA Olympics where I tried to be the gold medalist, but, <laughs> but, but, I, but at that point, I, I just did what I could. And about five years into that, I was, I was having so much fun. I was sober and everything. I was having so much fun, I wanted to neck myself. Um, because, and, I, and I couldn't, again, I couldn't work out for the life of me what had gone wrong. And, and what, I, what I found was I bumped into someone who, who was taking this, this work pretty seriously and who challenged me. And, um, and, and I, went, I went through, you know, again, only when I was in enough pain, I went through... The, the steps again and, and what I found was that there was a, a whole lot of stuff that I hadn't dealt with and, that, and that's the danger is that it sits in the background and it just becomes part of this committee that just nags at you and it just, and it, you know, I, I thought I was doing fine, there was no one that I would avoid in the street, there was, I didn't think I had anything, that, any stuff that I had to deal with, what I found was there was a whole lot of stuff I had to deal with and I went through that, that process, you know, step by step through the book again um, meticulously, very seriously, and, um, and, and a whole lot of stuff started to happen. Basically, I, I ended up with a whole list of people that I, that I didn't think that I had to deal with, but 
was very clear, you know, on reflection um, that, that things had to be done. And in the course of that, you know, see, one of the things was I was not only a, a, a very good blamer, um, but I was a very good apologiser too. You know, so I'd learned the art of apologising pretty early because I, you know, I, I'd bang into things and, and um, you know, my, my drinking wasn't pretty and, and my behaviour when I drank was even less pretty. But I, in order to keep, do, keep doing it, I had, to, I had to develop the art of, you know, cleaning it up superficially. So there was a whole lot of stuff that hadn't been cleaned up. And one of them, there was, and, and look, in, in the process, I did the process pretty much as Stuart described it with, um, you know, the, the, I wrote out all the lists, I put them all on cards, I went to the Australian Intellectual Office, I looked up their addresses, I went through the process of doing all that. But in the course of doing it, um, some extraordinary things happened, um, which I didn't expect. Um, I remember one of them was I... Um, I turned up with my ex-wife's um, stepfather, who was an interesting character um, and, and someone I used to often think about because for, for the 20-odd years I knew this bloke, um, I never heard him criticise anybody. And that used to fascinate me. How do you do that? You know? And um, anyway, I turned up, he had cancer and he was dying and he, he'd asked to see me and I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to see him. You know, it's not, well, because of all the stuff I'd done to his stepdaughter. Thank you. And, um, and when I turned up, um, what happened was I went in with my two kids and one of them had, had, a, had a baby with them and the other one saw him in the cancer ward and freaked out and said, oh, shit, I can't go there. The, the kids started crying, so my son went that way, my daughter went that way, and I'm left with him. And he's dying and he's... And, he's, and I'm going through all the normal platitudes you do when people are dying. You know, he says, oh, mate, I wanted to see you because I don't think I'm going to be getting out of here. And I say, oh, of course you will. Don't worry about it. You know, it'll all be fine, mate. You know, if you Panadol. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and obviously that wasn't going to happen. And he, and he said, no, he said, the reason I wanted to see you is I wanted to tell you that I love you every bit as much today as I did when I last saw you 10 years ago. And you could have just hosed me out of there. The tears were just streaming down my face and it all went... But, but it was set right. The relationship was set right. And, um, and you know, I, I, I'm running out of time, but I, I, um, I could go on and on and on and on and on about the blessings that you get from this... Well, I've got from this process. And um, a- another one of them that, st- that, that sticks in my mind was that there was this woman I went to see and basically I had treated her very badly and... I did all the, the stuff. I made an appointment. I set up, went to see her. Um, I sat down with her and I said, look, you know, I'm, I went through the, the process that was described before and, and I said to her, um, you know, I, I treated you pretty badly. And she said, well, you know, the boyfriends I had, you weren't the worst one. You know, you were one of the better ones. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not here to deal with anybody else. You know, I, I'm here, you know, you need to understand you deserve to be treated better than that. And she said, but, you know, what I want to know is, you know, why do you do this stuff? She said, because I was thinking the other day that someone contacts me after 10 years. She said, um, maybe that's the universe sending me a message. And she said, and what, I, what, I, what, I, what I've come to is that my mother um, adopted me out when I was a child. Um, and I never knew why. And she'd made numerous attempts to, to get in touch with me. And she said that... Um, um, maybe, maybe the message for me is that I now need to get in touch with my mum. And, and again, you know, I'm just sitting there gushing. And, um, because that's AA at work. 
You know, that's what happens here. When, when you straighten something up, it appears other things straighten up as well. And that com- completely humbled me, but also spurred me on to go through the rest of the process, you know. Um, and I had to do... I had to do... Because what happens with, when, you, when, you, when you get sober, what happened to me when I got sober, is I got this conscience that I can't ignore anymore. And I get, I get this involuntary reflection, you know. Like because what I really crave is peace. I want to be able to sit... And be, be at peace. And when I sit and be at peace, guess what? The stuff comes up, you know? And, and one of the things that came up was that I'd been lying to the tax department and um, I'd be cheating them, you know? And, um, and uh, I kind of looked at that and thought, well, that's what I'm never doing. And, um, um, you know, maybe I'll, just, maybe I'll just work harder. You know, maybe I'll just do more overtime. Maybe I'll, you know, whatever. And, um, and I had millions of rationalizations and justifications and everything else. And eventually, I had to ring them. I had to do it, you know. And I guess, you know, I, I rang them up, and I'd work myself into a lather of, you know, what this was going to be, and was I going to go to jail, and what would I do when I was in jail, and you know, blah blah blah. And um, and I rang the bloke, and I said, well, mate, you know, I've been basically I've been lying to you. I've had my wife on my on my uh, business books as an employee. I've been doing this, doing that. He said, oh, mate, everybody does that for Christ's sake. <laughs> he said, let's just let's just make a payment plan, you know. And, and, and so we did, you know, and, um, and, and most, of the, most of them, you know, worked out like that. I mean, in my mind, I just blow it beyond all belief and no one's ever had to do this and, you know, my ten bucks becomes a million and, you know, and on and on it goes. Um, and, so, and so, I, you know, I, of that list, I pretty much didn't have anyone left that I had to deal with. I had, there was a couple, there's a couple that, I, that, you know, sadly I can't make. Um, I, I, and the other one I had, I had was I had the reverse too. I had um, a woman that I contacted, and and, um, and she said, "Yeah, you did treat me badly." She said, "You treated me so badly, I never want to see you again." She said, "You know, the, the way you can make amends to me is make sure that your our paths don't cross." And um, and I had to cop that too. You know, that's that's part of the process. I had to cop that. That's the way that was meant to be. Um, <clears throat> the it's easy to get complacent, it's easy to get comfortable and, and <clears throat> for my sins today, I work as an advisor to helping people to, um, or helping businesses to um, do what they say they will do, right? So I, I have to advise other people on that sort of stuff and it's pretty hard to get away with, with providing that kind of advice if you're not doing that yourself and so, you know, it's like, Jesus, give me a break, you know? Um, and what I find today is having worked through that list, even though there's a couple that I may not ever get to make, you know, um, and, I, and, I, and I, the other thing, I was running out of time, sorry, but the other thing I want to share is it doesn't matter if you stuff it up as long as you're willing to go back and clean up the stuff up, you know, and I've had that experience as well. Like I tried to make amends to my father um, on the way out, left him with a couple of licks that made sure that I did this, 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 and this, but whack, you know, and left a couple of things there. And, my, and, and when my father was dying, he told my mother not to contact me because of the, because of the level of hurt I'd inflicted on him. And, um, and I had to go back and make amends to him on his deathbed. And it was only, only through that reflection stuff that I was able to even see it and be able to go back and do that. And... Um, and, and dear God, if I, if I hadn't got the chance to do that, I would have been haunted by that stuff 
for the rest of my time on the planet. So I'm really grateful that thing. What I what I found is that if you come along here and you're willing and 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 you and you you know you you get infected with this AA bug, it becomes involuntary, and you and you've just got to do it. And and like today. Um, more importantly, it's, it's having it's easy. It's kind of relatively easy to go back and and clean all the stuff up. And as I say, if, you, if you're serious, you don't really get the option. You have to go and do it because it just nags at you. What's harder, I find, is is um, is taking the stuff into your life today, because the, the the key that I found out in this is that I have to take responsibility for myself. What I, what I discovered right back in that very first inventory was that there was a whole lot of things that I did which, which I wasn't really responsible for. I mean, the priest and, and the monk said to me, he said, well, if you did all those things and you lived in these fears, you didn't really have a choice. And I said, well, what's the difference today? He says, well, today you're accountable. You, need to, you know now. Like, once the shades are off, you know. And so I have to live today with this principle that no one else is to blame for what, what, what's going on with me. No one else is to blame for my actions. What I saw through that inventory process is that it didn't really matter what they were doing. What really disturbed me was the way I was behaving in this. And when I put the shades on them and I see, I see how I'm behaving, that's what gets me. And so today, I mean, again, because I've been infected with this, that's the way that I live. When there's, when there's a disturbance or when there's conflict or when there's a shit fight, I look at it and I look, no matter what she's saying, how am I behaving? What am I actually doing? You know, what did I do? Um, and it just nags me, then and I have to clean it up. And, and, and that's what happens. I mean, it's in, in close emotional relationships. Um, I don't know about you, but I find it very hard not to get drawn into someone else's emotional life. And so they get upset. It's about me. What else would it be about? Right? Um, do I cause this? What have I done? Have I upset you? Bitch. You know? And, 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 you know, but then I have to go away and look at it. And, and, and I have this amazing propensity to get sucked in to other people's emotional, emotional stuff. And, and the business of, of taking responsibility for myself gets harder, not easier, you know. Um, I, uh, I can assure you that I'm going to find another plethora of uh, amends I have to make. I've just, I've just um, recently um, endured a, um, a difficult separation and divorce, um, but I'm not, I haven't been taken to the place yet where I can see all of my... I mean, I can do the, the inventory and see the bits and pieces, but there's got to be bigger stuff going on, and, geez, I can't wait to tackle that lot. <laughs> Thanks. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.